Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. Okay, so we are going to continue uh, cracking the code, this 720 series. And uh, I want to say welcome if you're a guest with us. It's very, very important. Didn't Hannah do great with the announcements? Didn't she do a good job? Announcements are very, very tough to pull off. So you did a great job. If you are new, we want you to fill out that card. Or if you have per request, we want you to fill out that card. And if you didn't put them in the buckets, you can take them to the welcome desk where we will be able to uh, connect with you. But I also want to say uh, we have this thing where we say you can text in questions. Now, at the end of the service, um, Blake's going to come up here and he's going to help me answer two questions. There's a number there that as you are wrestling with what we're talking about, as you are engaging with what we're talking about, which by the way, as, as you engage in what we call faith with Jesus, you start to wrestle with faith. You start to have questions. We want to do that as a community. We don't want you to do that by yourself. And we actually want to just say you have full permission uh, to bring your doubts to church. We think that's really important. So that's the number and the number will be on every slide during the message. But let me tell you uh, a few things. Let's just recap, okay? And we'll pray. So let's recap. What we talked about was this idea that our area code, which if you have a 303 area code and you go, it's not, it's not 720, it's 303. Well, what's interesting, you're right, but it is 720 as well. 303 is not, according to Verizon, last time I talked to them, um, is not available for new phone numbers anymore. They're just sticking with 720. As if the people who are coming into Denver and Denver right now is 720. Now, if you work for Verizon and you're like, we have a few numbers available, you can you can come up and correct me. I will swap my phone number, but we're sticking with 720. So uh, we're talking about what if this number is ushering in something more and reminds us of something more than just an area code. That in 10 years, what if we saw seven churches planted out of Discover Church? In 10 years, what if we were to see that? That there were seven faith communities. When I say that, I'm not saying seven just like this. I'm saying everything from house church to coffee shop to traditional church, whatever it would be that the Spirit of God is saying that neighborhood needs. What if out of here, that people in the sound of my voice right now are actually the future church planters out of Discover Church? Then with two, we said uh, Jay was up here with that giant um, high chair. You remember that? And uh, if, you, if you don't remember that, you can go back and listen to the podcast where he's talking about one of the fastest ways to grow is by making disciples. It's by engaging in helping people grow towards a Jesus-looking God. So what if all of us were disciplined and learning how as a church body to disciple two people at all times, someone who's already come to Christ and someone who hasn't yet? And we talked about that. Now, now here we're talking about the zero. 720. And I think um, when we talk about this, I just want you to know, this is not just something that we say 720. Remember when we did that thing? What we're getting at is we're about church planting, we're about making disciples, and we're about the thing that I'll tell you we're about later on. Okay, We're about all those things that we're about these things. And this is just a great way for us to make those tangible. You remember SMART goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely? You remember that? If you don't remember that, that's that's like fifth grade somewhere, maybe sixth grade. But though, oh, those are um, what we'd call SMART goals. So I'm going to pray for us because what we talk about in this category of zero 
if we don't do this, if we choose not to engage with this last number of our area code, uh, it's over. <laughs> we, we won't actually be able to make disciples and we won't actually be able to plant churches. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for everybody who's here tonight. Thank you for this, this family. And I just ask that your blessing will be upon them. And Lord, people who are here that um, Jesus, thoughts of you make them frustrated and mad. I just pray you would be gracious to them. We know that you will be. And may, if we're sitting next to them, I just pray we'd be gracious to one another. And Father, for those people who are really excited to be in church tonight, I pray you would exceed all expectations. We pray for this, Lord. And as we wrestle with faith, we thank you um, that you will allow us to do that. We thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this zero. Uh, you'll learn what that is in like a few minutes towards the end. But let me tell you a story about when I was young adult pastoring. I was young adult pastoring at a church in Albuquerque. And I remember when I was pastoring, I remember there, so our, the church was kind of tucked away in off this major street. In fact, it was so tucked away that Breaking Bad, the show, would use our parking lot to park their trailers. Yes, the trailer, okay, from Breaking Bad, to park those trailers there so that no one would see it because we were tucked away, which is really good for the show, really bad for a church. And so we're tucked away, like you can't find us, except the Breaking Bad people. And then across the main road, there was the shopping center with a whole bunch of businesses, like Hallmark Business and I remember Pet Store, Grocery Store, all this stuff. So I remember when I got on staff, you know, you're like really, really zealous. And I went over there and I just started asking them. I said, hey, do you know where this church is? And I told them the name of the church. And I asked like at least 10 businesses and, and hear me out. Zero of the 10 businesses knew where the church was. Zero. We're across the street. So I want you to imagine there's a Starbucks over here that a lot of people go to. Why don't you imagine going to Starbucks and asking if they know where the church building is? And if they go, no, we don't know where that building is. How strange that would be. Zero of them knew. So I remember getting my office and going, I'm new on staff. And I, I'm like, here to save the world, right? Proverbs 19.2 actually says, zeal without knowledge is worthless. Haste makes waste is how the message version puts it, okay? So I was, I was that guy. So I'm sitting in the office, and I remember a staff meeting going, hey, I did this thing. You imagine how irritating this is to all the people who give their life to this church. I remember going, I did this thing. I, like, asked them, and no one knows where this church is. And then the pastor goes, well, what do you want to do about it? Because we're trying. What do you think we should do about it? So I started going through these things. Maybe we should make bumper stickers and make everybody put bumper stickers on their car and then park over there and then walk across the street so they know that we're there. We can do that. Maybe we can pass out flyers. We can pass out. Maybe we can do all. Maybe marketing's the problem. Maybe we're just bad at marketing. And you're like, what? Should we be known for marketing? Should like the church be known for its marketing schemes and abilities, whatever? So then I'm like, well, we can serve. We can serve them, right? And that's, that's true. I'm not underplaying serving. If you, if you know anything about our philosophy here, serving is the best you can be. Jesus said you cannot be greater than your master. So when you are a servant, you have arrived. 
So I go, well, maybe we can serve. So the apartment complex next to this church, I'm like, we're going to take out everybody's trash. So we put these flyers that are like, we will take out any trash you don't want. Just drop, because if you live in apartments, you're like, I don't, I don't like dropping my trash off. What we got was couches and tables and like, we were not prepared for what we needed to do. Okay. So we're like, oh my gosh, we don't even know. Now we got a major problem. So we just took it into the church parking lot because no one could see the church parking lot. Right. So we had until... Sunday to get rid of it. So then, so then I'm like, well, we served them, but is that, here's the question, like as good as serving is, is serving the mark of the church? Do people know about the church because they go, yeah, they just serve really well. Maybe I'm not underplaying that. I'm not underestimating the value of serving. But what I am saying is when I, when I read the New Testament, if you haven't read the New Testament, but you have questions about the church, just read the book of Acts. Like when I, when I read the book of Acts, I don't, I see them serving. I, I absolutely see them serving, but I see something going on more than serving. Okay. And if you go back before the book of Acts, when you go to the life of Jesus, you could read the, the gospel of Luke, which Luke wrote the book of Acts too. So you can read the gospel of Luke and Luke is a doctor. So Luke's saying, I'm trying to give an account, a detailed account of what's going on. Because when you look at the life of Jesus, if the church is supposed to be the body of Jesus, meaning all of us here, we're supposed to be doing what Jesus did. Was he serving? Yes, he was serving. So I, I don't want you to be like, you're against serving. No, I'm just asking the question. Did the church, was the church known because they were serving everyone better? Was the church known because they had better marketing schemes, right? I mean, I mean, they were called the way back then, right? I, I don't picture Luke like making a sign that said the way, this way, right? I don't picture Luke doing that stuff, but they were, they, so what was the church known for? We start asking those questions. So we talk about, we want to, we're all about church planning. We want to be about that. We want to be about disciple making. And what was the church known for is I think really, really important on how we end this. If we're saying we're about these things. So there's a quote that said, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the church is obediently to continue to do and teach what Jesus began. Obediently to continue what Jesus began, uh, what Jesus uh, taught and began. In fact, N.T. Wright, who's a New Testament scholar, if you haven't read him, there's so many books by N.T. Wright. This is what he says. Traditions tell us where we have come from. Scripture itself is a better guide as to where we should now be going. So this is what I would say. As I look at the New Testament and I look at the life of Jesus and that the, the, the Spirit of God that God is now taking from the life of Jesus and saying, this is what you should continue to do. I actually see the church participating in ushering in God's kingdom, a new way of living by way of supernatural power. I actually see that. I see the church time and time and time again being ushered in by way of supernatural power uh, that the kingdom is being ushered in. And let me just say this, if the idea of the supernatural spooks you, okay, for whatever reason, whatever movie you watched a few days ago, and you're like, there's only a dark supernatural, okay, whatever your thoughts are about the supernatural, Jesus made the statement to Peter that he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We're talking about, so if, if Jesus was right, okay, which 
Let's just pretend he was for a second. If Jesus was right in what he was saying, and we're talking about the gates of hell, that's a super, that's not natural, okay? Like there's not, you, you, may, you may have been to a town or a city that you're like, when I drive in, I just pass through the gates of hell, okay? Maybe you've been there before. Uh, I'm, I'm refraining right now from a certain state in my mind, but maybe you've been there. That's, that's like how you feel. There's actually, there's actually a kingdom of darkness, gates of hell that Jesus talks about. And he said, I will build my church and those gates will not prevail. By the nature of what Jesus said, it has to be supernatural what ushers in his kingdom through the church. You follow me? If we're fighting against a supernatural power, we can't do it by natural means. Serving, being the best servants in the world is good, but it's not going to fight the gates of hell like they need to be fought against. Marketing is cool and good. And I think it's wise to be clear with communication for sure, but it's not going to fight against the supernatural gates of hell that Jesus was talking about. So when we talk about what was the mark of the church, of the New Testament church, what we're talking about is they had this super, they, there were natural things happening, and then there was this supernatural thing happening. And then there was natural things happening, and then there was this supernatural thing happening. And I just want you to imagine right now that during ministry time, which is a time where we, um, at the end of this, where we say, let's seek prayer. What if God started to heal people? What, what, if, what if people got delivered? And what if there were people's hearts that were transformed? What if the only way they can explain that is they said something outside, like some supernatural, yeah, yeah, we would call that God and the Spirit. Because remember that the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, the power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the church is obediently to continue to do what Jesus taught and began. So we're going to go before Acts to Luke. We're going to go to Luke. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 17. Now, I want to let you know what's amazing about what we're going to read is the life of Jesus and the miraculous. Every miracle is not because for the sake of signs and wonders. The miracles are like signposts pointing to God's kingdom, okay? So I, I want you to um, Think of it this way. If we were all, let's just say we got in a, our, our family's trying to rent an RV for Piper's um, spring break. Okay, let's say we got in the biggest RV in the world and we just crammed together. Okay, and we're going to Disney World. And as we're driving to Disney World, we start to see signs. We start to see signs coming up, popping up, popping up. And it's saying this way to Disney World, this way to Disney World, this way, this many miles, this many miles. And then when you see Mickey Mouse's face, you know you're real close to Disney World. Then they even have an antenna that looks like Mickey Mouse, and you know you're almost there. But all those things are not Disney World. They are signs pointing to Disney World. And I would tell you that the... the scriptures show us time and time again over 37 miracles that Jesus performed through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are signs pointing towards the kingdom. You follow me? Pointing towards the kingdom. What marked the church, yes, they served well. Yeah, they were able to articulate what they're about. What marked the church was this supernatural, it was flipping the natural system with the supernatural. So we're going to look at the life of Jesus because we are to continue what he began in the book of Acts. They did that. Now, here's what's hard. We can do an entire year on the book of Acts and the church in the book of Acts. But we have like a few more minutes. Okay, so uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, 
Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. So I just want you to stop for a second. I just want you to stop and observe what's taking place. Okay? It is natural to sit there. This is natural. It is supernatural to recognize God's healing power. So we're just going to walk through this passage. It, it says the Pharisees, and what, what's actually being talked about here is when it says teachers, a lot of theologians think it, it's not just teachers of the law. It could be teachers from other worldviews, not just Pharisees and scribes. We're talking Sadducees. Some people believed in the afterlife. Some people didn't believe in the afterlife. Some people believed there would be a resurrection. Some people didn't. Some people believed in angels. Some people didn't believe in angels. And they're there, and they're assembling together, and they're, they're sitting around. And what's fascinating is it says this. It says, and, and behold, uh, I'm sorry, and the power of the Lord was with them to heal. So, the pow- so in the environment, Luke is able to know the power of the Lord is with them to heal. Now, John, the, the, um, the author of John, John the Beloved, okay? John was a disciple, close disciple of Jesus. And in John chapter 5, John has this theology, this idea, this Christology, this belief about who Jesus is, that Jesus actually surrendered his divine, not his divinity, but the ability to be omnipresent and his divine attributes for the sake of being equal with us and being able to suffer like we do, 100% human, 100% God. And in John chapter 5, this is actually what it says uh, in verse 19. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord. So follow me here. It's not because Jesus is this magical, whimsical, no, no. Jesus is God, but for the sake, for the sake of us, surrendered his power and was able to live amongst us. And he said, he truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does that the son does likewise. So he has this theology about Jesus that the father gives this power to Jesus and flows through Jesus in this way. And we see this to be true time and time and time again. And, uh, and so when we talk about it is natural to sit there. It is supernatural to recognize God's healing power. It is supernatural to be able to go in a place where there's meeting taking place, and there's teaching taking place, and there's people talking. Maybe this is in your meetup. Maybe this is here on a Sunday. Maybe this is at your work. It's supernatural to go, I, I, like I'm in tune with God. I am a connected to the vine. Okay, I'm in tune with God. And I believe that there's something supernatural going on right now. I believe that there's healing present here. That sounds strange to some degree. Let me tell you, uh, when I was in Costa Rica, I went to Costa Rica, the only, the only other person that spoke English was the interpreter. His name was Eloy. We called him Brother Eloy. Okay. Well, I guess Jesus spoke English too. Okay. But I'm saying like the only person that was with me. So we took this long ride from Costa Rica to Panama. On the map, it looks like this, but you're going through mountains and there's no air conditioning in the van or in the um, bus. And I just remember the whole time I'm listening to John Foreman in my headphones. I'm trying to stay calm because I just want to throw up the whole time. Okay. And then when they stop, they're like, here's beet salad. Do you want beet salad? And it's like potato salad with beets. Okay. Which you don't eat when you feel sick. So anyways, uh, you, 
you don't need to know that. So we go all the way into Panwall, and we have a few hours before this service. And, uh, and I'm pumping up my air bed like this, just this small twin bed. And Brother Eloy, he says, he said, hey, he starts laughing. And I said, what are you laughing about? He said, God showed me tonight that someone's going to be healed, that someone who's blind will see. And I thought, you just, like, you just had a really long ride, too, in that unair-conditioned bus. And I said, okay, Brother Eloy, I'm going to go to sleep. Please don't wake me up until my alarm wakes me up. So I'm sleeping, and I'm praying, God, I cannot throw up. I, and then it's like it just went by so fast, those two hours. I woke up, go to the service, and in the service, worship goes on for like two hours. Okay, in Costa Rica, if you've never been there, it is amazing. It goes on for like two hours. You're standing in front of the fan and you're worshiping and someone else needs to stand in front of the fan and you're like, you need to move and I need to stand in front of the fan. I'm from America. You're like, you're used to that. I'm not used to this. I'm, I'm like going to get sick. So the whole time, I, I say this to tell you the whole time, it's natural for me to sit there. It's natural for me to just be present there. What was supernatural is what's happening with Eloy when he said, I, I, I actually am seeing there's someone that's going to be healed. So then after I preach, the way that, that ministry time goes for them is it's not like go to the sides or come to the front. It's like come to the front where the pastor is and he will pray for every single person. So I stand there and I have to pray through the interpreter to this person or yeah, to this person and over this person. There's just a line. And this lady comes up and she's blind, totally blind. So she has a walker and people are leading her and she walks up and Eloy nudges me and he said, this is who I saw. This is who I saw. And I, I thought, well, may, maybe you're not crazy, Eloy. Or maybe there's one blind person here. I don't know. We're, we're going to find out and start praying. And I start to sense actually that in faith, there is like God's presence and power are the same thing. That it's strange when we say, I experience God's presence. Did he do anything? No, but his presence was there. His presence and power are the same thing. And, and, uh, and we pray and her eyes open. Like her eyes, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, like her eyes, this lady in Costa Rica, her eyes open. She starts screaming and just running around. And I asked the pastor, he said she has never seen in her entire life until today. Her completely healed, completely healed. And what I, the reason I say this is it was natural to sit there and to just talk and do the church thing. What was supernatural is that Eloy was able to know, no, there is healing power here. And that's not foreign. I mean, this is exactly what's happening here in the scripture. So I tell you that to say what would happen if the supernatural became a natural way in church, that the people who we pray for, when we pray for people, we expect God to do something. Now, the way the kingdom of God works is the kingdom is here, but it's not yet fully here. So there are times when supernatural takes place and is evident. There's times that it's not. But what, what I do know is the church participated in it and believed in it and saw it happen. Okay, let's keep reading. It's verse 17, verse 18. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed, uh, a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. In this, um, I'll just tell you what I see. And what I think 
the church was up to by way of continuing what Jesus started. It's natural for religious people to huddle together and keep others away from Jesus. It's supernatural to leave and go get the broken. Notice what it says here. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. Well, who's the crowd? The Pharisees, the teachers, they're all huddled in there. Believe it or not, that's natural. It's natural to huddle together and so tightly together and be in discord over weird things that it keeps people out. What's supernatural, supernatural is to go out and get the broken and the marginalized and that's supernatural. That's different. My friend, uh, Nathan Sally, I didn't tell you, I'm going to tell a story of you. So here we go. So my friend, Nathan, has texted me before this beautiful text where he says, I'm trying to make it to church. I won't be able to make it because I'm sitting with, fill in the blank, immigrants, people who need help, people who feel like the church doesn't care. He sent me these texts to where I go, man, don't come to the huddle. (laughs) Go be with them and we'll see you next time. It's a supernatural way of living when you start to say, now what I'm, I'll just be honest, if this place was empty because we were always out there with the marginalized, at some point we'd say, let's get together and worship. But I'd be really happy. I'd be really happy. Now the marginalized is not you and your roommate up like in the mountain on Sunday. That's not the marginalized. You see what I'm saying? What I'm saying is the, the people that it takes a supernatural power for you to actually I'm not hating on people who go hiking. I know we love hiking. But what I'm saying is it doesn't take supernatural. The supernatural power I'm talking about is the people that you don't naturally draw. You're not drawn to and you don't naturally care about and you don't naturally think about. They don't look like you. They don't act like you. It takes the spirit of God to say, I'm going to continue what Jesus was doing. And one of the things he and his followers were up to was bringing people, bringing people to God, bringing people to God. And that's what that teaches us. So let's keep reading. 21, and the scribes of the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Because he, he said, um, this man's forgiven. So they're just waiting to catch him. Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise pick up your bed and go home. So we're talking about the natural and the supernatural. And this is how Jesus operated. He flipped the system of the natural with the supernatural all the time. Then the church started to do the same thing. And then I don't know what happened. At some point, the church stopped. It feels like at some point, prayer became routine. But I just, I just don't care to participate in that sort of church. I believe that the Holy Spirit will continue to do what Jesus began. And that's why we're talking about this. Uh, So here's that next thing. It's natural to minimize what Jesus is doing. It's supernatural to see if there is more to be done. It is natural to minimize what Jesus is doing. It's supernatural to see if there's more to be done. You know, it's strange when we talk about forgiveness of sins and reconciliation and those sort of things. And we talk as if those may not be like, yeah, God can do that. And God, he forgave you or sinned. You prayed a prayer. You did a thing, whatever. But then you're like, yeah, but, but is, there more, is there more to be done? Is there a way that I can? And then, um, and then we're like, 
yeah, but but maybe not. <laughs> but maybe yes, but he did forgive your sins. But and I want us to take a different posture to say it is a miracle that the God of the universe that we just sang about forgives us. Okay, like it's a it's an abs. I don't know if you. It is an absolute miracle. I want you to think of a wrongdoing you've done to someone you love dearly. You love dearly. And them just forgiving you. Them saying it's wiped clean. Like it's, I don't hold it against you. It is forgiven. You go, man, what a miracle. So even think of the debt that you're in in any situation. Credit card, car, home, business. Just think of the debt that weighs on you. If that person or that organization, if Wells Fargo came to you and said, you are forgiven of all student loans you've ever taken out for us, you'd go, this is a miracle. <laughs> this is an absolute miracle. And I'm telling you, the idea of forgiveness, we minimize. We minimize it. We think, yeah, God forgave God is love. God forgave you. God doesn't have to forgive you. God doesn't have to desire. I mean, this is a big deal. And then we say with boldness, First John talks about coming to the throne room with confidence. With boldness, we say, is there more to be done? Is there, is there possibly more to be done in this situation? And it feels very strange and it makes you very humble when you take that posture. But there they are minimizing Jesus. Who can forgive sins? Who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And, you, and Jesus said, yes, but so that you know, I have the authority to do that. There's also this thing. This man came in on a bed and he, he walks out carrying his bed. And the bed was carrying him and he walks out carrying it. It's an absolute miracle. Absolute miracle. And then I want you to read verse 26. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were saying with awe, and we're filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. And amazement seized, the word is like pounced, like went after. Amazement went after them and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Let's throw up that slide about the zero, will you? This is what I would say we're about. There will be zero doubt that we are here to see the kingdom of God in our neighborhood. There will be zero doubt that we're here to see the kingdom of God in our neighborhood by way of participating in what Jesus began, which was his power and presence coming forth, ushering in his kingdom. We do this in a lot of ways. We do this in a way of having partnerships with the cities. Hannah was up here and Hannah leads our mission and justice department and they have, Hannah has partnerships between the church, and you'll hear about this throughout the year, between the church and the city in a lot of different areas. We do it that way because that is ushering in God's kingdom. We look and we say, the Holy Spirit's working there. We want to partner with it. Or the Holy Spirit is not as evident there. We want to partner there and usher in God's kingdom. We do it that way. We also do it through prayer and believing that God still is actively participating in this world. He didn't just sit back and wind the world up like a clock and then let it go. So this is what I mean when I say there will be zero doubt that we are here to see the kingdom of God in our neighborhood. That people go, man, I, I actually believe the supernatural takes place at Discover Church in the Highlands. I actually, I actually believe they care about the city. I don't have any doubt about that. I believe. So what we're talking about is church planting, making disciples, and impacting our neighborhood. And here's some, that's the way you can remember it. 
that that's what we're about. That's what Jesus seems to have begun. And we just want to continue what he began. When at Doubters Club, which some of you have visited Doubters Club, um, over the years through these clubs, I've made a lot of friends who are atheists. And I've asked them, what is it that would make you follow Jesus as God? What is it that would make you trust in a Jesus-looking God, however I word that? And I will tell you this, 100% of the time, so I, sometimes we try to hit a mark that's not there, 100% of the time, they say something along these lines. If I could experience God, if I could experience God, I just can't experience him. I would need to experience God and to see him do something. These are the things that we are told that people who seem far from the kingdom are longing after, going after. This is also the thing that the church was marked by. So Lisa, if, the, if you guys could come up here, I want to tell you in our time of response here, the best way that we can respond is actually by like responding is actually by saying, okay, it's not just what Jesus did. Again, we could go through 37 times throughout the gospels and go through multiple times in Acts. We can go through that, but I just hope that you kind of see there is a pattern here that the church, Jesus began this thing of what was natural. There's now a supernatural element in it and it's his kingdom among a natural kingdom. And so I, I want to tell you this, when we do this, I would love, when we, when we participate in times of prayer, I would love for us to leave saying, uh, saying these words about Sunday nights. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. But here's what happens. I don't know if you've seen uh, The Greatest Showman. If you haven't, and you know me, if we are sitting together for at least five minutes, I will talk to you about The Greatest Showman. I've seen it three times in the movie theaters already. That's not an exaggeration. I've really done it. No. So, okay. And uh, I just want to tell you, after I saw it the first time, I, I literally stood up and went, because I was so blown away. But in this movie, the the standing ovation that I gave it and then everybody followed because I was right in that moment of how good this movie was. In, in those moments, if the church looks like that, this is probably what, what verse 26 would, would read if something was written about us. In those moments, we'd say this, an amazement seized them and they were filled with awe saying, we have experienced a great service tonight. Which that's, that's not actually what the scripture says, right? That's not what it says at all. Or if you're here and you're very skeptical and you would consider yourself a doubter or far from God, you don't even care about God, you may say something like this, and frustration seized me because nothing changed. Because nothing changed. I haven't seen anything tonight. Okay? It's not what the scripture says. Time and time again, actually, when Jesus performs a miracle, people fall down and worship, they're in amazement and awe, and then we also see when the church is participating in, the, in what they're marked by, finishing what are continuing what Jesus began, we also see them seeing like droves of people coming unto Christ. When Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter gave his sermon, people started speaking in tongues of countries and people groups that they didn't know 
And again, this is, this is going to sound supernatural because it is, because I'm going to talk about fire coming down from heaven. Ready? So fire came down and dwelt among their, on top of their head, flames like tongues of fire. And people started saying, how are they speaking my language? You go, that's weird. That's supernatural. The thing we're already doing is weird. Okay. So we're already there. Supernatural. It is actively fighting against the gates of hell. We cannot fight against the gates of hell with our natural means. We have to participate in supernatural. We have to do it. And when that happened, 3,000 are added to them. 3,000. And you go, well, is that? No, that was the normal. That was the new normal for them, was the supernatural, because they're already participating it just by assembling and singing and talking about a God that they don't see. Supernatural. So I say all that to say there should be zero doubt, zero, that we are here to see the kingdom of God come into our neighborhood. Zero doubt about that. We are not like the greatest showman where although it was a wonderful show and people stood up and applause, said, wasn't that a great experience? No, no. It should make us glorify God. That's the part that's missing from that. Go ahead and take a seat. We'll take two questions real quick. Let me just tell you, if you're still praying, please pray. Um, Caleb, do you have the questions with you? Great. You can come up here. I just want a word for you guys to remember is that what you're experiencing by way of, man, life's hard or whatever's going on in your life that may pull you away from God is natural. The supernatural is what we want to participate in. So go ahead. Hey, so one of the questions is, um, how can I um, personally be a part of being the zero for the community? That's great. You want me to answer or you want to go? Uh, I think I, this one's kind of a low-hanging fruit, if you will. Uh, so at this point, thinking about involvement in the community, uh, reach out to our justice admissions team. They are mm -hmm. actively involved in the community with active efforts going on here. And so I think speaking to that effort, like that's your first step is emailing Hannah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I would also say, you know, uh, John 15 talks about we are connected to the vine and bearing fruit just by nature of being connected to Jesus. One of the, one of that, part of that fruit is actually what we're talking about. And so be intentional with being connected to Jesus in your personal life. Don't just do, 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 but you need to like be connected to Jesus. And when you, when you are connected to him, you'll participate in the zero. You'll participate in people going, man, that person, that man or that woman, there's zero doubt that like there's something else. And then that's the kingdom of God. So I'd say it's a great question. Let's pray. Father, when people come, with anxiety and stress, it is natural. It is natural. It is of the kingdom of this world. People come with sickness, it's natural. Frustration is natural. We believe in the supernatural. We believe where there's hopelessness, that's natural. Supernatural to have hope. Would you bring that? We believe that where there's sickness, that's natural. Supernatural to be healed. Would you bring that as well, Father? We believe that so many things are natural. We acknowledge them, but we also will have zero doubt that your kingdom is at work. So may we participate in your kingdom. In Jesus' name.